dream of education or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. This is a rather bold pronouncement, but we think we can back it up. Back it up. Back it up. If you come across a radio frequency anywhere putting more variety and more diversity on the air than KBLA Talk 1580, we sure would like to hear about your discovery. You got to have vision. You can search. We are confident that you won't find more shows covering more topics hosted by a more diverse and inclusive lineup of talkers than the squad we have assembled here at KBLA Talk 1580. This is the time, brothers. This is the time. We've got something for everybody. That's right. Health and healing, history and humor, issues and events, empowerment and entertainment, all in one station. What's really going on? Free enterprise, you did. KBLA Talk 1580. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We got a lot to talk about. King Kong ain't got on me, on me, on me. So this is Justin Timberlake, and this is a, I want to say this is a, a Pharrell-produced beat, Star Trek. Mm. Oh, all right. Mm. Anna Jackson doing a lot of talking about Justin, her relationship with Justin Timberlake in the documentary. Yeah. I couldn't believe that uh, Jermaine Dupri cheated on her. Neither did, I couldn't believe that either. I was shocked. Yeah. It was such a good documentary. I just, just love her even more than I already did. And I was really glad that she talked about being an emotional eater and the weight gain and uh, about the baby, you know, because I always thought that she had a baby too. I thought that she had a baby that was hiding. But uh, no, it was a big rumor. Okay. I've been waiting all weekend to see you, Krista. It's so happy. I was like, (laughs) I get to come to work. Why? And work with these two amazing women. Come on now. What? I can't come to work and see your face and your energy. How was your weekend? It was good. Busy, busy. I didn't get a chance to do anything I wanted to do. I was uh, out helping my mother. And, you know, she, What'd you do with your mama? Well, she, you know, grocery shopping. So it's like, uh, stop here, stop there, stop here, stop there, stop here. I'm like, okay. So she goes to different grocery stores for different things. Yeah. yeah you know, I got a Smart and Final. I got to go to a 99 cent store. And then I go to another 99 cent store. And then... Um, I said, going to carry groceries upstairs, and then I got to go, oh, my friend wants a tall can of Tecate and a gallon of water. I'm like, okay. That's interesting. Got to go pick that up. Tall can of Tecate and a bottle of water. Yeah, right. right. That's a weird one. And this woman is like, I don't know, 80 or 90. I'm like, she's like, I'm good for the day. (laughs) Yeah, I got to go fix my mother's TV. I'm like, oh, God. But you're a good son. You love your mom. Okay. All right. That seems to be the thing. Yeah. Yes, I love my mom. I love my mom to death. Yeah. She's an amazing woman. Let me tell you something. The only woman who's ever had my back, my mother. And I can say that with confidence. Even when I was a bad son. Really? You know, I won't say bad. I was just... Why, yeah, I was going to say, why would you say you were a bad son? <sighs> Let's see here. I won't say bad son, but just um, um, maybe misguided and not really kind of appreciative of the things that she has done for me. All You know, wanting more. and grew up in poverty. So, you know, everything that she gave me was like... Um, 
not good enough. But when we're younger, yeah. isn't that how we are anyway? That is how it is. We're yeah, always so, like yeah. that. This is when I was younger. Yeah. yeah. I always always tell my daughter, and I've even told my friends who have kids, I said, when they get a little bit older, for me, the magic age was 25 when my eyes ah. opened and I started to appreciate the things my mom did for me. Because prior to that, it was like, you didn't do enough. You didn't do this. Yeah. You didn't do that. And then at 25, something hit me. And I was like, wow, she did a lot for me. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I could be angry about, but you know, I, I, I have to, I always say my mother did the best with what she had. Right. And it is what it is. And so um, I think through, um, you know, kind of God watching over us and her staying prayed up and, and um, you know, just working to survive. It's hard to survive out here in Los Angeles. No, you see it people is. are out on the streets. I know. You know, so it's, it's a, you know, she did the best that she could. And so I always, you know, anytime I start feeling some type of way or whatever, um, I always kind of just move those move those thoughts out of my mind. I mean, don't hold on to these things. And see, that's good because I know a lot of people who are very resentful. There's one person in my life that he hates his mother, really? but appreciates his dad. And he holds on to, and I, I'll say to him, you know, your mom you know, obviously loved you and she did the best that she could. You know, a lot of it was because she was one of these moms that was heavy handed, a lot of yelling and screaming in the house and yelling at the kids, yelling at the dad. And I said, you know, we don't know what her upbringing was because he doesn't really know much about how his mom was brought up because yeah. he doesn't know his, his grandparents on the mother's side. I said, you don't know what she went through, but he doesn't want to hear it. He just is very resentful and doesn't, does not talk to his mother. And I just don't think that's healthy. That's, that's just me. Yeah. I mean, my mother, my mother put up with a lot of stuff when it came to me. I called her the B word when I was younger, mm-hmm. you know, um, she, w- I got a spanking on my birthday one day. Did you curse her out on your birthday? I don't know what happened. I think I was just, you know, she, you know, this is the, the, when you, when you make, uh, well, you know, it, she made my life kind of like all about me. I was the only child. So, you know, she spoiled me. You know, what am I supposed to do? Well, I know that the one time I cur- well, I'm not going to lie. I cursed out my mom a couple of times. And she said, if my parents, if I did that to my parents, I said, well, maybe you should have. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I said, maybe you should have cursed out your parents because they're, this is, we, we always, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Kiara, have you ever cursed at your parents? No. Yeah, there's some I people would, who've never done that. I, I can't did. Even imagine. Give it some time. It'll happen. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I get annoyed with my mom. Sometimes I'll say things under my breath. Oh wow! Like, but I don't. I, but it's usually like oh, she's so annoying. But I don't. Yeah, I would never curse. What do you at say? Kids. Like, but I don't curse at people. Yeah. What do yeah. You, you say like, don't you got a patient to go look after? Me? Yeah, see, exactly. <laughs> I might say something snappy. I don't cu- cur- like curse at the poet. I don't curse at my friends. Oh, see, that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't curse at my friends. I mean, yeah. I've cursed at, at relationships, but. You know when they've deserved it, but yeah, I did curse at my mom. You know when you're you're younger and you're disrespectful. So yeah, I think I was like eight, eight. I was in high school. Yeah, I was I was like eight. I was like you know she had a friend over and I was like you know what I'm gonna be a nice son and ask for permission to go outside. Now I never asked to go outside. I just went outside. But I was like I am gonna do something nice and I'm gonna sit there in front of my mom's friend. I'm gonna ask to go outside and she said no. Ah, <laughs> I'm weak. Right, she said no, and I'm like, "You mother, what?" Oh yikes! It enraged me. 
Yeah. See, I think at eight, I already know that if I said anything, I would have gotten a spanking. But I know in high school, I had a very big mouth. So that would have been, that's different because I, I, you know, definitely thought I was it in high school. So I said stuff. Yeah. Not when I was eight. Yeah, yeah. When I was eight. So uh, I called her the B word and then went out and had the best day of play I ever had and got the biggest whooping when I got home. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. You know, but that's it. But you know, it's all good. Uh, big game this past couple big games, and and uh, Andy, should I put some money on the Bengals? Because now I'm starting to think that the Bengals are going to win the Super Bowl, and and the only way the only way I'm saying that because you know, listen, it is L.A. This is the Rams' home team. I, I get that, but the Bengals haven't won since 19 or 1892. You know what I'm saying? And um, I was thinking about putting money on the Bengals as a long shot because I know the odds were probably in their favor. And then they beat the 49 with the 49ers this week, or, or no, no, they beat, they beat uh, the Bills, right? They beat the Bills, and I'm like, oh, I could have, I could have won some easy money with that. And then, um, and then you know the Rams beat the 49ers. You know, all, all them San Francisco people are tight. You know, but it's LA baby. That's how we do it. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, but yeah, uh, were the odds uh, were there good odds on that, or did, or did you do you know if there were good odds on the uh... um, the Bengals? Definitely, if I'm if I'm if I recall, the spread was like seven points, something like that, by a touchdown. So a lot of people thought that the Chiefs were were gonna you know kind of somewhat blow them out or whatnot, or win convincingly for that matter. matter. And uh, the Bengals came through on the road and defeated them. So if you did bet on the Bengals. If you bet a hundred dollars, if you remember what that money line was, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like three hundred and fifty. So if you would have bet a hundred dollars, you would have won three hundred and fifty plus that hundred. I feel like I said to bet on the Bengals. Yeah, isn't that what I said? Yeah, I, I, I I didn't know, but I was gonna. I was like, I should have thrown somebody because I love long shots, you know. And 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 then them winning that game, and I don't know, I don't know what the hell I know. I don't know if Odell Beckham just needed to get off the team, whatever it was, Um, which is weird because I'm like Odell Beckham gets off the team, he he. He goes to the Rams, and then the team, both the teams that he was on, are in the Super Bowl, which is weird. Um, but I was like, man. But I just, I feel like they, they got something to prove to Cincinnati, and there's something. I think that there's something, and don't get me wrong, I'm voting for LA to win. But I think that there's something with this Bengals team. This is like the little engine that could, and that the, you know, they're 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 trying to make it. You know, I don't know. We give them props, but that's where it stops. <laughs> All right, all right. Um, you did say you love the underdog. I do love the underdog. Yeah. I, I love the underdog. Underdog pays more. I'm, I, I think I'm going to put a bet. I'm going to see what the money. Let me see if I can find out what the money line is. Hold on. You know what? It doesn't hurt to put a bet on the Bengals. I'm for sure they're going to be considered the underdog. This is the second time in a row that uh, a Super Bowl hosting team, you know, has a team, you know, from the city. So, um, all right, the money line is 167. For the Cincinnati Bengals, so if I bet a hundred bucks, I win one hundred sixty-seven. Is that what that is? Was that plus or minus? Plus, plus one hundred sixty-seven. Yeah, you'll win one hundred sixty-seven dollars. Now the money line on the Rams is minus one ninety-two. What does that mean? So yeah. you have to bet one hundred and ninety-two dollars to win a hundred. Oh, that stinks. So they got the game pretty close. What's the what's the spread? The spread is uh minus four plus four, and then there's another number minus one hundred eight minus one twelve. You said minus four, or or is is the green? I'm looking at they got the green highlighted here. Is that is that the bet like a hundred bucks for you went one twelve? So the first thing you mentioned was the money line, money line, and then they got the spread in black, and then underneath the spread, it there's a minus one hundred eight, minus one twelve. Mm, 
that. I'm, I got. I probably have to see that. Okay. But it should be three sets of numbers. It's the money line, the spread, and the total, and, and the over and under. The over and under is probably like 44, 45. So we got 50. 40, 48 and a half for the over. 48 under. and a half. Okay, so that's the over and under. So you're gonna you're basically betting on whether the total points between both teams would be either over that number or under that number. So the best bet here is just the money line because it's plus 167. That's where it's going to be paying the most, right? If I'm not mistaken, the the spread actually pays out the most, most. because it's a little bit challenging because it's one thing to pick who's going to win, but you're also picking by how much. So you could pick the loser, but if they lose within those within those points, uh, you still win. Okay. So Interesting. Yeah. So I'm picking over 48 and a half or under 48 now. The the Cincinnati Bengals have under 48 now. So that that would be the underdog payment or whatnot. But they would still, depending on whether you go over and under, you know that'll determine how much you get paid. But they, what that's telling me is that this is going to be somewhat of a low scoring game. Mm. It's not going to be high scoring like the Bills and and the Chiefs. The Rams has an incredible defense. So it might be a little bit difficult for the Bengals to score, but Joe Burrow is an immaculate quarterback, and he has three crazy receivers. Um, the Rams can't get scored on. Hmm. So, and you said the spread is what, four points? Yeah, plus, plus minus four. Plus minus four. So they got this as a close game for the most part. Okay. All right. All right. I'm, I'm going to go to dra- I'm going to open a DraftKings account. Oh, yeah. Let's do it. And then, you know, see if we can do it. All right. Um, we got a lot of stuff to get to. There was a model who committed suicide this week. Oh, I just so, tra- so, so sad. Well, she wasn't a model. I mean, she was a lawyer. I'm sorry. She, she was, was a-, a lawyer and pageant girl and media host. Sound familiar? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I saw I saw your tribute. Yes. Yes, I know. Um, do you know any, did you know her? Or? Um, yeah. I We have a lot of mutual friends. I actually sent her messages, looking at her messages. Uh, yesterday sent her a message after she won Miss North Carolina and you know hashtagged it black girl magic and she was like oh thank you so much yeah what a way to go out we're going to talk about that um a lot of other stuff to go to Joe Rogan is, is coming out talking on and I, I feel Joe Rogan is getting a lot of unfair mm-hmm. negative press um and you know <clears throat> I've kind of got kind of bone to pick with Nick Cannon because how effective of a father can you be with with all these baby mamas Yo, well, we've been saying that from the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, he's got baby mama number eight. So we'll get to all all of that. Uh, we'll go over uh, the assignment from last week. Maybe hit you with another one for Wait, this week. The assignment? Yeah, the assignment. We had a whole segment where you supposed to. Oh, uh, I, your... I didn't do yeah, that. I've Shame been so on you. Busy. I totally forgot. Krista did it. We that. did it. Oh, you did it? Yeah, we did it. We did it for a short period of time, and then we're just like, let's just talk. I mean, there was no laughing or anything like that. We're just like, why are we just sitting here? Let me just start talking. All right, we'll get to all of that when we come forward. Uh, We'll take your phone calls, 800-920-1580. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Be sure to follow and subscribe to all our socials at KBLA Talk 1580 on Facebook, Twitter, and IG. Stay in touch with us by downloading the all-new KBLA Talk 1580 app on your smartphone. Your smartphone. the convo wherever you and keep it locked to the only talk station that gives you a voice. voice. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about. For details. History is now, and you are part of it. Thank you for spending your days with KBLA Talk 1580. Let's jump back into the conversation. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot. All right, I'm, I'm trying to open my DraftKings account, which they're not a sponsor, but, uh, you know, maybe one day. I can um someday over the rainbow. Yeah, are we gonna put some money on this or what are we doing? Are we gonna um what if we split a bit? That'd be great. Yeah, so it's low risk. It's our first time. Well, all right. Um 
Yep. I, I'm only going to add fifty dollars. Yeah, I'm we not can adding all any more add of that. 50. Oh, yeah. I, was, I was thinking a thousand apiece. A thousand? Forget Don't. you. We I'm might not... never see that money again. I know. I, I can't do that. That's why it's called. That's no, why it's no. called gambling. <laughs> no, 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 uh, no, no, no way. Hey, you know what time it is? Uh, I feel like you're about to tell us. Four twenty. Oh. <laughs> 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 all right. Um. You know. Every weekend before we leave out of here, I I, uh, I give Andy a little present to try out. You know, we are living vicariously through Andy's uh, 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 lungs, I guess you could say. <laughs> um, so we're trying out products, so you don't have to. You know, I gave you what did I now? What did I give you? You gave me some Kiva Camino sours. Kiva, I like Kiva. This is the brand that I use. That I uh, when I when I go up, they they make the little mints that I that I buy. Um, um, the problem is, is that, you know, things hit you differently depending on how you, um, we're talking about marijuana here, how you, if you have, if you've eaten, what time of day you're taking it. Um, last time we gave you some mints and Andy was like, I ate the whole box. Nothing happened. Like Tic Tac. Right? <laughs> like Tic Tac. <laughs> what about this time? So these are five milligram sour. First of all, how did they taste? They taste wonderful. Yeah. I was like, I was kind of, I was like, you know, I was like, man, this looks kind of dope. Uh, so, uh, did you kill the whole thing or what happened? No, I still have some. <laughs> um, I actually waited until Monday because I knew this weekend was going to be a little bit different. Okay. But I waited until this morning yeah. on an empty stomach. I started at 7 a.m. Yeah. I popped one every hour. Oh, God. Until now. Uh-huh. And uh, I will say that this was definitely an improvement <laughs> from the mints, for sure. Now, is it, uh, was, it a, was this an indica or a sativa or was it a hybrid brand? It doesn't really specify. It doesn't specify what type of strain or anything like that. Oh, so they taste good, but it mm-hmm. is, uh, so how many did, did you have to take for, because they're five milligrams a piece. How many did you take for it? So about 40 milligrams. Jeez. So from 7, about 2 p.m., that's when I started to feel something. Wow. So that's about 40 milligrams. So Four, oh. So eight. I took about eight. Well, I, you know what? I guess that's that's where you're at, right? I think so. Yeah, you're, yeah you've been talking about how like 40-something milligrams and uh, yep. is kind of where you're at. As well. mm-hmm. Wow, I, I can't mess with you. Remind me never to smoke with you. The only issue I have with this is just this container is just so difficult to open. I don't know why it's just so hard. Oh, <laughs> I guess because it's childproof or whatever. <laughs> I, was, I was looking at stories, and they were talking about the um, – the marijuana industry in California, the, the black market is, I think Vice did a, a, a news report um, where they were going out with the San Bernardino Sheriff's Department that the taxes on the marijuana here in, in, in California are so absorbently high that it makes the black market, um, or it's growing the black market, uh, where people are just going out in the desert and, and, and growing weed to sell out in the streets because they're making more money off of that. And then on top of that, the penalty for doing that is just like a misdemeanor if they catch you with it. They just destroy the plants and you get hit with a misdemeanor. Mm. And so I was looking at a lot of these um, these dispensaries and they're saying they can't even survive because the prop- some stores are negative and then some stores are making some decent money. One guy had $11 million in sales, $11 million in sales, and he still lost $80,000 at the end of the year. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'm like, how do you have $11 million? I just, I don't know. Fees are so expensive. Don't get me started because it's about to be tax season, so I've just been looking at stuff for my business. Overhead costs are so expensive. There's sales tax, and there's regular taxes, and there's duties, and there's the cost of operating with accountants and attorneys, and you look at all the money you made, and you're like, where did it go? It's just right? gone. It's just I mean, gone. It's mm-hmm. gone. It's, it, it gets eaten up in in, uh, in services that you put out there or, or the fees that you have to pay. And regulations and rules, especially when you're talking about high-risk items like ingestibles. Yeah. There's so much testing that has to happen. All of that costs money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and th- with the marijuana, I think there's a 30% tax levied at, at, the, at time <sighs> of purchase. 
So, you know, and then on top of that, of course, they don't put those prices up when you go see it. And like, oh, 16 bucks. And then, you, and then, and then they're like, that'll be 45, 53. And I'm like, wait, you said 16, but yeah, look at the tax. Yeah. Well, also, I want people to know that when you're paying those taxes, it's not like the business just gets to keep it. So don't get mad at the business because all the sales collect I, or tax. all the sales tax I collect, I have to give to the state. I don't get to mm-hmm. keep it. It's mm-hmm. the state. I mean, you could pocket it and just hope for the nope, best. No, I literally got an email the other day like, hey, like you cards, where's your sale taxes at? And I was like, ugh. Oh, so, so Target just cuts you a gross check for whatever you guys negotiated the split would be, and then you you got to take care We're of it. We're responsible for all taxes, but what, what, for all but, sales. But wait, I'm confused, though. Uh, don't, isn't Target collecting sales tax at the time of purchase? Um, yeah, in the store, but also keep in mind, we're also, we sell straight to distributors and you have to pay, uh, uh, what's it called? Like a levy. A levy? Well, cause it's coming from China oh. on that so that that's China. expensive. But then also we sell direct to consumer. So there's a tax on that. Oh, so whatever you're selling off, off of what you call it. Exactly. I mean, just, you know, roll the dice, man. You know, I'm a small business. I didn't know, you know, ask for forgiveness instead of for, for permission. You know, no. I, as a lawyer, I feel like that's not going to work. Oh, that's right. They're going to be like, you should have known better. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Well, I guess you should have known better. Well, you know, I'm trying. I'm trying out here. I get really passionate about this because people are always talking about, you know, black business and supporting the community and just start a business. And But what we're not talking about is how hard the state makes it to do. Oh, yeah. It is not easy. It's so expensive. There's so heard. many hoops that you have to jump through. That's what I heard. Do they have any relief programs with the state? I wonder. I mean, they have the COVID stuff. And there are loans you can apply for, but loans are temporary. You have to pay loans back. Mm -hmm. And they've made it so hard to take out any advance money. Even when we had a purchase order, I complained about this to you guys. When we had a purchase order from Target to say, hey, we have this amount of money guaranteed to come in, but we need some loan money so that we can actually create all the products, get it printed, and ship it over. They were like, well, uh, we don't know. You didn't make a million dollars last year, so it seems a bit risky. (laughs) <laughs> a million dollars? Are you kidding me? That's that's the standard for a small business. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, I, I wonder. I wonder if the state has some tax relief uh, um, program, or maybe they maybe that's something we could bring up if we ever get a chance to talk to to uh, Governor Newsom or whatever to uh, uh, um, to have some um, tax relief program that uh, that kind of gives you a break, especially if you're starting a, a, a business, or at least if your business is coming in a certain amount of revenue. Yeah, or um, your first couple of years. Like, the way that they do the student loan programs now, you can pay as you go, so the more you earn, the more you pay. Mm-hmm. I feel like they should do something kind of like that with a small business. Like, the first couple of years, you don't have to worry about paying taxes or anything. Then when you get to year three, we'll start to to charge you or something i don't know yeah i th- th- there definitely needs to be something and you know i was what i was looking at i was looking in part of this vice news documentary we were talking about uh, with marijuana dispensaries um there are programs that are designed to help individuals who've gotten in trouble with the law uh by selling marijuana illegally try to open a dispensary and this guy was like yeah he was like, I, I spent thirty to forty thousand or thirty to fifty thousand dollars trying to get my dispensary open and you know, we've been I've been improved by the program, um, you know, but trying to go through the bureaucracy of retail store and getting approved through all the state um, levels uh, of government is uh, uh, damn near impossible. They had 138 people in a program and I think 28 of them 
got approved by the by whatever city or state. Wow. You know, um, and, it, and what's interesting, although California is it's legal to for, for recreational use for marijuana, not every county you can sit there and open a store up in. Some mm-hmm. some counties are kind of like dry counties where they don't want you distributing retail. Um, they don't want you distributing or, ma- or manufacturing or, or growing uh, marijuana. Um, that's so hard. And even I want to add too, there are some benefits for some companies that register like with a diverse certification, but we've been looking into that. It requires two years of tax returns and a whole bunch of other stuff. I'm like, uh, can't you just take a picture and look at me and see that I'm black? I'm black. <laughs> like, why do I have to fill out all this paperwork and give you all this stuff? If you're black people, you can, you can look at me. I'm black and I'm a woman, and I mean I throw all the cards out there. Yes. I'm like, I, what I, type of proof? What other proof do you I'm need? I'm demisexual. I'm all of that. I, I'm throw I throw out everything and try to make it happen. Yeah, it, it does suck, and it does suck that it's very hard for people to start businesses and 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 try to you know make a living um, because a lot of your costs just get eaten up by services and the cost of running the business it sucks. Yeah. You know it should be a lot easier. All right, so we learned that um, it takes 40 milligrams of uh, THC. Mar- uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of gummies. Forty. Uh, uh, Forty milligrams. He took eight. What? Yikes! Right. Oh my gosh! Doctor Johnson gave me something that was ten one time. I was out. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a lot. Hers was pretty cool too. <laughs> it was. <laughs> I like hers, but yeah. I like gummies. You, you got more so than the flower. No. Oh, you like flower? Flower, hands down. Wow. You really? can't beat that. No competition. I just, I can't, the smoke is t- it just, it's just the smell. I feel you. You know what I'm saying? You kind of reek of it, and there's this, it's just a weird thing. I it, it, the, the smell of marijuana repulses me, which is weird. It's a strong <laughs> word. It, it does. Yeah, it it is. does. It's just, I feel it's that way about cigarette smoke. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I get it. It's offensive. Like, I get a whiff of it, and I'm like, you're just, like, that smoke is invading my space and my lungs. I'm like, ugh. You know, but uh, I'll take a sour. Okay. All right. All right. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll try to, uh, we'll try something new. I got some pop rocks for you this week. All right. Um, the assignment was you to stare into your partner's eyes for 10 minutes and talk about your insecurities. We'll talk to Bianca when we come forward to KBLA Talk Bitchin' We know you have options, options, but thank you, thank you for making the best choice. The only station in L.A. of the people, by the people, for the people. We are unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. 1580. We knew you'd stick around. This is LA's home for progressive talk radio. Welcome back to KBLA Talk 1580. Oh, look, uh, Kiaris, I just got an email that, uh, what does it say? Let's see here. This might help you out. Vice President Kamala Harris and Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen headline the annual Freedmen's Bank Forum. Announcing $8.7 billion in federal funding for financial institutions serving minority and, under, and underserved small business owners. Well, the wow. Lord heard my cry. <laughs> yeah. See, ask, ask and it shall be given. Yes. And look, I'm holding my cup. Well, the cup I got Oh, oh Kamala Harris. Kamala yes. Kamala I'm, I'm speaking. speaking. Uh, the sizable investment announced by the Office of the Vice President, U.S. Treasury Department, is part of $12 billion secured last year by Harris when she was still a U.S. Senator, along with uh, Cory Booker, Chuck Schumer, Mark Warner and our very own Maxine Waters. Um, let's see. The Jobs and Neighborhood Investment Act was intended to support community financial institutions that serve low to moderate income and minority communities. So I don't know. I guess you're gonna have to go to the Black Owned Bank, bank maybe. To ah, get some of this. That's okay. I I will do that. What I can I, make do, that happen. Do I just show up? Is that right? It? I'm like, what are the requirements? Because these other programs, they got a lot of requirements. Yeah, run me my money. I actually <laughs> was looking at one. They they come to your office or home office or wherever you are, and they do. An interview. Oh wow! Yeah, I'm like, we can't do this on Zoom. No, 
Now I got to see if you, 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 you try right. to. Right. Are you something. faking? Are you faking but it? But you know what? After all those fake businesses with the PPP loan. Oh, yeah. I get it. They probably want to see the product. and. Yeah. Let me let me see your community daycare in your be- <laughs> exactly. in your fourth bedroom. Exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> Bianca L. Gibson is an entrepreneur. She's the mother of four beautiful kids. Uh, she's also a social and emotional wellness speaker uh, with a special focus on practical healing. We uh, gave you an assignment last week, and that assignment was... For you to stare into your partner's eyes for 10 to 15 minutes with not saying anything. And then after that, um, talk about your insecurities with your partner. Um, I guess, you know, you were supposed to um, look deep into their eyes and suffer through the silence, which is uncomfortable to do. Um, Krista did it. Yeah, we did it. We didn't suffer through the silence because that's something that we kind of do is just kind of stare at each other (laughs) anyway. Uh Uh-huh. So what? So what happened? Did you guys talk about your insecurities through the through this whole thing? Uh, well, it's stuff we already know. So he talked about his health issues, and then you know I talked about you know stuff that you know triggers me and bothers me that has nothing to do with him. And so it's stuff we already knew. There was nothing new that we discussed because there's nothing new that we come. Like he wakes up every morning and tells me what's going on every morning. Well, what, blah, do you, what do you mean tells you like? His health issues. Oh. And so then um, I don't really have much to say until I get home from work. Oh, my gosh. Dodd did this. So he already knows everything. So we don't really. Ha- we didn't really have anything well, new to say. There's got to be something that you don't know about each other. Well, oh, did the fact no. that you reiterated the things that were going on in your we relationship, are, yeah, we reiterated the fact that you reiterated it, yeah. that, did it kind of like let me let me keep this more top of mind, as set, set as a reminder. I think I have more compassion for him, mm-hmm. like literally hearing more and just like looking and actually because I look at him every day, but um, sometimes you just look real quick and you look away, but I really could see that he's struggling health wise. He's just not feeling well. So when I really looked at him, I started paying attention to like his eyes and they weren't as open as normally they would uh, be, you know, started looking at his skin and his hair. So I paid a little bit more attention to, yeah. to that than just like the, your typical glance. Bianca, is, is that what was supposed to be what, what she was supposed to get out of this whole exercise? Somewhat. You know, everyone's experience is quite different. It just really depends on the couple, you know, um, and what issues they may have and challenges. All right. Uh, we, we're back with a new assignment for you. And who is this assignment for this week? Is It's for for married couples? Yes. Married couples. Going through midlife crisis. Wait, say that again? Married couple going through midlife crisis. Oh, Kristen, this is for you. Oh, no. this is, we're not married, but we both are going through some serious midlife crisis, especially me. All right, so married couples going through midlife crisis, which, uh, when does the midlife crisis hit? Like, in, was it mid-40s or late-30s? Or I feel like some millennials are going through a midlife crisis in their 30s. No, that's a quarter-life crisis. A quarter, oh, quarter-life crisis. Yes. So so what, what if you, if you how, first of all, how do you, Bianca, how do you recognize if you are going through a midlife crisis? Well, a lot of people will say that they totally do not recognize the person that they married, that they're with. Like, they totally change in their emotions, their actions, and how they react to life, that they're a totally different person. So, their goals, yeah. their wants, everything changes. So, how do you... Okay, so... I'm with you for 20-some years. The, 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 the lust and the newness of the relationship is kind of worn, worn off, and we're just kind of just, what, going through the motions? 
Yeah, but the, I would say the midlife crisis is something it is different in both men and women. But typically what happens is depression kind of sets in and you kind of look at your life and you're looking at, okay, am I where I want to be? You know, and then you start looking at childhood traumas. Um, you know, what events are happening in your life, and then you process them. And because your hormones are all out of whack, mm-hmm. there's different ways that people um, handle that. Yeah. Some some people handle it differently. It sounds like me. I, I want to start an OnlyFans uh, in, in my 40s. But that sounds like you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's say you're in that in that position. What do you do? Well, there's many different things that you can do. There are several stages, and they have, like, a couple of stages that people are familiar with. It's one, the first stage is the emotional collapse. And typically, when that happens, something tragic may happen, like a death that will trigger this, or a job loss, or someone experiencing a big career or life-changing or maybe children moving out of the home or someone being diagnosed with the illness, and that's what causes the emotional collapse. Oh, then wow. you have something like, like the second stage where the, uh, it's called the enlarging of the gap, you know. And so you either push away from your mate, you isolate yourself, there's a sense of depression, or you just really want your space. And then they have like the freedom stage. Where you just don't want to be bothered, you know what I mean? You feel like you're confined or you're in solitary confinement with the person you've been with for quite some time. And so your mate is kind of like, what is going on? This angry energy or behavior that you might be emitting. Um, And then there's a stage that they call you owe me, where it's a very self-centered, selfishness type of stage where you feel like everything is about you. You don't really care about other people's feelings or emotions. And a lot of people experience feelings of wanting to get back or revenge, you know, um, that stage. And then finally, there's two last stages, one where they feel a little bit more happier. They kind of go through all those phases and they kind of taper off. Um, But still, your mate in the last stage, they kind of feel like they don't know you. Somebody I used to know. They call it the used to know stage where you kind of have this self-centered behavior. You blamed everyone else and now you've left your mate with scars and they don't know who you are and have, you know, a little bit of concern of whether they can trust you or not. So how do we, do you have any exercises on how to fix this and how to, I guess, reconnect or get out of this, this midlife funk? Well, typically the, the best thing to do is either go to counseling or get a life coach to be able to decipher, you know, what your belief systems that are, you know, changing during this time. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of men that are going through this midlife crisis, all of a sudden you'll see them buy like a whole bunch of gold chains or uh, buy a car because they're wanting to somehow find their value in things and titles and positions or they feel like they're not where they need to be or you feel a woman might feel um, that her life has been unfulfilled because she's been a stay at home and she has nothing to account for. And so you have to address those belief systems, those thoughts, and those emotions that come from those thoughts and those stories that you're telling yourself about your position in life and how you feel about who you are as a person. 
and why you're responding to it in the way you are. So you got to basically, it's like you often you're, you're in space in your mind. You got to get out of that space and get back in your relationship. How, how, um, what do you do if, uh, you convey this to your partner that you feel some type of change and they don't want to do anything about it or recognize it? Cause a lot of times they just, they may not even understand that they're in some space. Well, you know, that's really important question that you asked because I've talked to several people going through this situation and they find it very difficult because a lot of um, spouses feel isolated or feel um, left out in the dark um, where they are not getting the intimacy and the emotion that they used to do from the, from their partner. Right. And this can lead to having, you know, emotional affairs or, you know, actual physical mm-hmm. affairs. And you mentioned to your partner that, hey, I need some affection, I need some love, and they are really disconnected Mm -hmm. mentally and emotionally from you. And so it is very difficult, and that's why we say, you know, you need to either go through counseling or a life coaching um, situation where a person is not just looking at your partner, oh, he's complaining, he doesn't understand or she doesn't understand, but you have an unbiased party that can help you dig deep as to why you're feeling these feelings and reacting the way you do. But, but what, I, what I was saying is that if they don't want to do that, I mean, is the relationship pretty much done? Or is it headed, <laughs> headed, heading into a place to be done? Because, I mean, some people are very resistant. Kiara has a book coming out called uh, Therapy is Not Just for White People. And especially with, uh, I think, a, a good portion, of, not not a lot, but uh, in the African-American community, there's a, there's a resistance to, to admit uh, that, therapy might be able to help you um what do you what do you what, what do you do if your your partner doesn't want to do anything and they just want to stay where they're at i mean is that like a decision that you have to make to say i'm gonna you know what i love you and i'm just gonna have to love you from afar because this is not working for me yeah i i think you know in that position you can't change anyone but yourself and how you respond and react and if a person is not there mentally and emotionally that's kind of like a death of the relationship you don't have a relationship without that so you're pretty much killing what you have it it, 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 you're forcing the person to walk away okay can i ask a question yeah yeah. what about letting your partner go through the midlife crisis and taking a step back and letting the person just figure it out is that unhealthy to do or do you have to get counseling um, a lot of people will step away, but at that same time, when people step away, as we can see with a lot of different statistical reports, a lot of affairs occur. Right. So you recover from that is the question. You know what I'm saying? So stepping away and letting them deal with it while you kind of figure out, okay, how do I get the intimacy that I'm longing for? And then I decide to have an affair. Is that is that marriage and relationship going to last through that? If you're strong enough to be able to let your person to have that time and stay hopeful that they probably will snap out of it, then that's the best solution, of course. But there's a there's a lot of people who don't. <laughs> I have a question too. So I know I, when I'm thinking about my friends or people who have been in relationships for a couple of years, and when the relationship is new, the idea of cheating is devastating Mm -hmm. but i've heard older couples who have been together for 15 20 30 years be like "Eh, i mean whatever he's coming (laughs) home to me yeah statistically or just in your 
experience or either of you can answer too because you've been in long-term relationships does that dissipate like the care when it comes to cheating <laughs> all right hold, listen hold that answer because we're, we're getting up close to the clock we're, we're, we'll get that answer from you when we come forward we'll take your phone calls 800 1580 it's kbla talk 1580 nobody's perfect but everybody's important don't change the We've got a lot to talk about. This is KBLA Talk 1580. Or drop out to help their family put food on the table. You can help change their future in a single moment. See how far your support can go at unbound.org. You ready? Excuse me. Now that I have your attention, may I ask you this question? May I ask you this question? Why do you believe police brutality continues to exist in this country? Do you believe it to be a systemic problem, or should we judge police misconduct on a case-by-case basis? And what's your opinion on the best course of action to solve the problem? Well, you have come to the right place. You're listening to L.A.'s all-new progressive talk radio station. Of the people, by the people, for the people. Hey, I sure appreciate that. It's KBLA Talk 1580. We got you covered round the clock. Round the clock. Racism, we got you. Progressive politics, we got you. Health and wellness education, we have you covered. We're going to have to put it back in the hands of the people. A black-owned and operated evidence-based alternative radio station for progressive, open-minded people like you and me. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Welcome home, Welcome L.A. Home, LA. We're all in this together. Let's get it on. It's KBLA Talk 1580, broadcasting from the heart of L.A.'s Lamert Park. We've got a lot to talk about. We are going to have to fight. We're going to have to struggle. We're going to have to struggle resistantly to bring about the peace. Yeah, what have you done for me lately? Yeah, what have you done for me lately? Um, you know, some of the most disturbing news that happened this past weekend was the was a young lady named Chelsea, is it Kurtz? Ch- Chesley. Chesley. Oh, C-H-E-S-L. Oh, yeah, Ch- I know, it looks like Chelsea. Yeah, it does look like Chelsea. Yeah. Chesley Kurtz? I think it's Christ. Christ? Okay. All right, I'm just I'm batting uh, over two here. Chesley Christ. She won the uh, Miss USA crown in 2019. Um, she fell from her high-rise home in New York City. Um... New York police responded to a 911 call at 713 at, at, at Chesley's Midtown apartment building. Um, paramedics responded, and she was pronounced dead on the scene. Um, she lived on the ninth floor. She jumped from the, her high-rise building, which I don't know if you've ever seen that. I saw I saw a video this week of a guy jumping off of, like, um, a freeway overpass, and he just mm-hmm. jumped, and then and it showed him landing. I'm like, oh my god, that's like that's what a pain. How much pain must you be in to, to end your life that way? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they said she was last seen on the 29th floor terrace of the building, court New York Post. Um, she had posted to Instagram, "May this day bring you rest and peace." Um, I so- wonder if she did that, like rest and peace, rest and peace. Oh, I wonder if that was intentional. May this day bring you rest and peace. Maybe she's talking to herself. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Uh, Chris, is it Chris? Mm-hmm. Uh, took home top honors in the Miss USA pageant back in 2019 as Miss North Carolina. She was an attorney. Mm-hmm. After winning that title, she also worked as a correspondent for Extra. Mm-hmm. Um, she used her Miss USA platform to speak out about social and criminal justice reform. Um, she reportedly left a note stating she was leaving all her belongings to her mother. 
Um, her family released a statement saying her great light was one that inspired others around the world. And with her beauty and strength, she cared, she loved, she laughed, and she shined. You know, they're going back and looking at a lot, a lot of her posts and a lot of the stuff that she wrote. And she was, I think she was feeling empty here from, from some of the stuff that she was saying of like, what's the purpose of all? And I felt like this sometimes throughout my life. Mm-hmm. What's the purpose? You know, you, 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 I think a lot of us, we spend more time fantasizing about things that we want and going through the journey to get them. And then when we get it, you're like, this is not what I fantasized about. I, man. This is is like, it's nothing up here. I'm at the top and there's nothing here. You know what it is, too? I I try to describe to people because I read the article yesterday and there was a police officer who was quoted saying she was a lawyer. She was beautiful. She had everything going for her. Why would somebody like this take their life? And I just, man, after having this conversation with a, a good number of my female mm-hmm. attorney, like women of color friends yesterday, right before finding out, it's really hard when you have so much pressure on you to be perfect mm-hmm. and trying to be everything to everyone, mm-hmm. especially, you know, a lot of women are single now or mm-hmm. unmarried. Mm-hmm. And so not to say it's lonely, it can be lonely from a relational standpoint, but where you used to have two people paying the bills or if something happened and your tire went out, a husband could come get you or there was some type of support system. Yeah. People are doing everything by themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's this conception that if you're pretty or smart or if you're successful then you're obviously not going to be depressed and you're obviously not going to be anxious and so then when and I can only speak for myself like when I've said like oh I had such a hard day I'm feeling really anxious the response is usually like oh but you're so smart you're fine or like your life is so good it can't be that serious so then there's this gaslighting that happens because you don't believe them and then you jump into this shame spiral and you're like well I am blessed so why do I feel like this so then none of it makes any sense and you just it can get out of control if you don't keep it in check. Right. Um, they said right. she was worried about, openly worried about aging and society's treatment of older women. I mean, she's a beautiful woman. I, you know, I don't. I mean, I, I don't know what it's like to be a woman and and, and get old, but she's a beautiful woman. I, you know, I, she she was very young. And it's interesting that you said that because there is an article that I just saw today. Yeah. That a record number of older people experience roadblocks in life. Roadblocks. And it's true. Especially, it doesn't happen um, to many men as much as it does women. Mm-hmm. You know, with women, whether it's mostly it's, you know, career. Um, especially, you know, if you're in acting, you get that roadblock. After a certain age in acting, you're, you know, too old. You know what I mean? It's just, it's sad. And that's Hollywood does that. You're too, yeah. like, you mean what, like opportunities stop, stop showing up? Uh, well, unless you're like a, you know, a Holly Berry or, you know, uh, what J-Lo that, maybe. One of, yeah, she still gets, I mean, and look at how she looks. She's I know, incredible. And, and they have to fight for those opportunities. Yeah. And they look the way that they look. And they still, they still have the roles of being maybe moms or the sexy mom next door that the, like the boy next door which one of my favorite movies with hot, the hot guy next door like you know is, is all what into J-Lo a, a, and what stuff. Is a porno here? No, the but hot, it's the hot guy next oh, door. Oh, he was hot. That's a good movie. <laughs> but you know, um, after a certain age, your roles end up becoming where your mom or you know maybe the crazy cat lady or something like that. You just you're not the sex symbol anymore. Only a certain amount of women can continue that you know and people are so unnecessarily harsh i mean she competed in the miss usa system like i did so i know what that pressure is like too and i've actually had some of my other pageant friends on my podcast and interviewed and talked to them about that process but 
I've had friends who were a size two be told like you need to stop eating because you can't gain any weight. Or I had several pageant friends who were eating only baby food because they were like, you can get all the nutrients. Wait, what? Yeah. Like not have to worry about the calories. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had like, like trainers tell me, and again, I'm always been a size two, very small trainers tell me that my thighs were too thick because they touch, they Mm. don't have that like gap between them. Mm -hmm. And so then when you have all these people being hypercritical, it makes you hypercritical of yourself and you want to please everybody. You want to do everything perfect, but you obviously can't be perfect because you're a human. Right. Right. It just, yeah, it snowballs. Wow. Um, In a March 2021 issue uh, of Allure, Chesley wrote, each time I say I'm turning 30, I cringe a little. Sometimes I can successfully mask this, this uncomfortable response with excitement. Other times, my enthusiasm feels hollow like bad acting. Um, she turned 30 in April of 2021, was already concerned about with, what came along with the aging process, which I, I, I think that's a normal thing when you're, when you're in your 20s and you're moving into the 30s. I think life, it's, it's like aging. In your 20s, you're kind of out having a good time. You're just living life. You're still freshly young maybe you're experiencing some success for uh for the first time in your life trying to figure it out and then that 30 pops up and you're like ooh, for 10 years i've been saying i'm 20 something now i'm gonna be 30 see i don't for me i couldn't wait for my 20s to end because they were really hard years talk about being depressed my 20s were a really really hard time Mm -hmm. but once i hit my 30s my 30s were the the best times of my life, it's hitting that big four zero that I was like, damn, I'm getting old. And that's when I started getting really depressed. I, 30s, I thought, like, you find yourself. And I had the best time, you know, in my 30s. And I was a mom at the time, too. But I was really aggressive in the things yeah. that I wanted. And I knew what I wanted. So I don't know. I mean, I, I'm sorry I, to hear that. I, well, I just, you know, I go back to my my 20s and, and the 30s, and I didn't start appreciating my 30s until maybe the mid-30s. And I was like, you know what? I appreciate this because I started looking at all, everybody who was in their 20s as a kid. It started looking like little children to me, you know? And so there was a level of maturity. And even my 40s, I'm like, hmm, this is, I, I kind of like this, you know? I'm kind of, there's a level of maturity that you're still uh, still evolving and still growing, and I've come to accept it. The only the only fear I got is it's you know we're almost getting close to the back nine and it's going to be over soon, <laughs> you know that's that's uh you know that's the only worry I got but then I'm pretty sure I'll come to grips with that uh, as I age. Well, it's so I'm looking at my Instagram, Ch- Chesley before she won Miss North Carolina before she won Miss USA she competed in law she was a runner up and I remember watching her compete that year that year and being like oh I really wanted her to win she's a black girl. And you just get really attached to contestants. And she lost. And I could just see in her face that disappointment. Yeah. So I sent when, her a message. When, when, when did she This compete? was uh, that she lost May 25th, 2018. But Miss then USA? she won 2019. No, this was Miss North Carolina before Miss USA. But mm-hmm. I remember when she lost Miss North Carolina. And she was a runner-up. And I sent her a message. Just wanted to say, you're popping. Black girl magic. And she responded, all oh, thanks. And I remember that moment so well. Because I was like, dang, the pressure and the money. And then you have all of these people in the pageant community, like, saying who they think is going to win and their favorites. And then you prepare for something for so long and then you lose. Yeah. And we don't really, I mean, we don't talk about this a lot. I think we do with athletes a little bit, how they're used to being in the spotlight and then they're just not. Mm-hmm. With a lot of these title holders. And even she went on to win Miss North Carolina and then won Miss, uh, USA. Miss USA. But you're in the spotlight and you're being taken to do all these 
these morning shows and the, all the, the, the limelight is on you and everybody cares and everybody's paying attention. And then your year is up and you just kind of, then you're a former title holder. And I've had conversations with so many former title holders where people are like, wow, she used to be pretty. And now she's gained she so much weight. She used to be pretty. Oh, she's wow. fat now. Yeah. Mallory Hagan, another um, former Miss America who I talked to about it. People were so rude to her about her weight. And she's like, you don't know what I had to do to maintain that weight during that year. I finally had some time to like take to myself. And she's a very, what I would say, I don't want to use normal, but Mm -hmm. she's a a great weight. It didn't look crazy. Uh, So I was thinking about that with her too, having, you know, worked for this thing and then she lost and how devastating that was. And then she won and then she had all this attention and then the attention just disappeared and people stopped talking about her. Wow. Right. All right. Well, we're going to continue this conversation um, because she wrote an essay um, that I want to read pieces of. Uh, we're talking about Chesley Kirst, who, Chris, Christ? Mm-hmm. Chris, Chesley Kirst, who uh, was former Miss USA, former Miss North Carolina, um, uh, an accomplished attorney, um, and uh, committed suicide, which I can't believe. There's, I, I don't know if it's, if the suicides are just getting reported more because it's like that's what it seems like because it seems like in the news it goes through cycles cycles. of stuff you know with the smash and grabs and people you know the knockouts and stuff and now we're getting now you know suicides I mean but also the rates are up yeah they are for girls for young girls the suicide rates are up 182% young black girls yeah we'll talk about more of this when we come forward to KBLA Talk 1580 Build Black Better Better Tell it. L.A. finally has a black-owned talk radio station. And it's unapologetically progressive. KBLA Talk 1580. Details. KBLA Talk 1580. Unapologetically progressive radio. Black-owned and operated from the heart of Lamert Park, USA. The heart of Lamert Park, USA. We're listening, and the convo continues right now. All right, welcome back. Don Amici versus everybody. We're Kristen Chiara. We're talking about the suicide of Chesley Chris, I don't know, I can't think of getting her name. Um, and, you know, she's a young 30-year-old woman, and I think that she's, what she had was going through, because it has come out in, in a lot of her writings, is what a lot of people go through. Um, and I can only imagine, like, I didn't grow up with social media, mm-hmm. so I can only imagine the pressure young millennials and even the zillennials are going through with being the first generation in the social media world of looking at other people's lives and comparing their own to it, you know, uh, uh, or doing what you think you're supposed to be doing and then you do it and you're like unfulfilled, you know, I can, I can only imagine how hard that is, you know, um, in an essay, Chesley, um, shared some of her angst over chasing accomplishments. She wrote, why earn more achievements just to collect another win? Why pursue another plaque or, or medal or line item on my resume if it's for vanity's sake rather than on a passion? Why work so hard to capture the dreams I've been taught by society uh, to want when I continue to only find emptiness? And this was in uh, 2020 that she, she wrote this in her Allure essay. And I think that is uh, what she is experiencing is what a lot of people are going through right now. Of What's the point? What's the point? I get yeah. up, I go to work at a mm-hmm. job I don't like. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, they tell me to buy the house. They, or you know, even the if you, car. even if you do like your job, like when I was, I was processing with some of the other girls that were in this lawyer group that she was in with us yesterday, and 
it's not that people don't like what they're doing, but their student loans and the price of everything is expensive. And even my friends making crazy, ridiculous salaries can't afford to buy homes. And so they're spending tons and tons of money on rent. And it just feels like you're in this hamster wheel, like a rat race, almost like you take one step forward and two step back Mm -hmm. and you can't really win. Mm -hmm. And, and I can imagine how someone could be like, I'm tired. I don't want to run anymore. I just want to rest. Yeah, and I don't know how you reconcile something, doing something that creates passion in your life for work. I don't think, I, I, I don't think enough of us do work like that, you know, to where you get fulfilling out of going to work every single day instead of it just being like, okay, let me look at these well, contracts. Passion or, and freedom. And again, I'm not in her head. But from we have a lot of mutual friends. I have a lot of friends who went to law school with her. From what I know about her, it's not that she wasn't in doing things that she wasn't passionate about. But I think there's this saying, dream jobs still require you to work. I think, and you can think about it in terms of relationship, right? If you've ever had a celebrity crush or fantasized about what someone might be like, and then you meet them and you got, you got your wish, Mm -hmm. like you're, you got your dream, you got your passion, but then you get, you're like, well, you're not who I thought you were going to be. And then you still have to deal with the fact that they're human and they're not perfect. And you still might argue, even your husband or wife or partner or whatever, you might love them. It doesn't mean the relationship isn't hard. It doesn't mean it might not end. It's that same thing where you see all the movies where it's fairy tale and you get married and it's happily ever after. But then what happens after that? A lot of marriages end. I think the same thing happens when you're chasing a dream, just getting to it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be like, well, now all my anxiety's gone and the depression's gone and life is perfect. I'm, I'm free. Well, sometimes the journey is a lot better than the accomplishment. Totally. Yeah. You know? I, I always say to my friends how I look at certain things, be careful what you ask for because there's so many things that I've asked for and I was like, oh my gosh. And my friends even say, because I struggle with being sad a lot of times, I'm not understanding like, you know, like I, I said this just recently to my therapist. I said, it's almost like a cruel joke. You ask for something, you pray about it, pray about it, you get it, and you get what you want, but it's nothing like you dreamed of or like you expected, mm-hmm. you know, because you, in your mind you expected something to be so different. And in the beginning it was, and then all of a sudden it's hard. It's not easy, and it's all about life just being hard. Yeah. That journey is hard no matter what you accomplish. Well, that's why they say new levels, new devils. Yeah, Ooh, they're, I they're, like that. Yeah, that's a t-shirt. Every every time you accomplish something, there's something else for you to deal with. It's right. the idea that you're not really getting rid of your problems; you're just trading your problems. So now you have a job making more money, but you have you get three hours of sleep every night, right. and you might maybe you have to commute to the office, or maybe you have to work eighty hour week. So that other job you wasn't making the money you wanted, but you had the time right. because it takes sacrifice. You're not going to get great things without sacrifice. So it comes down to Really getting to know yourself and what am I willing to sacrifice? Yeah, exactly. She, she right. also wrote, too often I noticed that the only people impressed by an accomplishment were those who wanted it for themselves. Meanwhile, I was rewarded with a lonely craving for the next award. Some mm-hmm. would see this hu- some would see this hunger and label it competitiveness. Others might call it unquenchable thirst of insecurity. Hmm. That's that's big there. Yeah, you you you're insecure, so you have to kind of constantly keep reaching up the next rung of the ladder. Oh, that's real. And so the other part of this story about me being the nice girl and like messaging Tesla, after she won Miss USA, I unfollowed her. 
Why? Because I was like, well, her life is literally perfect, and I'm not trying to scroll and be jealous of her life. I don't want to follow anyone I'm jealous of, so unfollow. And it wasn't even like I dislike her. I just went through this stage where I just started unfollowing everybody that brought up feelings of envy or jealousy while I was scrolling because I don't like those feelings. And so then I'm looking back like, so you're jealous of her, and she's jealous of another woman, and then that woman is jealous of another woman, and we're all feeling the same thing, but nobody's talking about it. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I did the same thing, but this is with a family member, and her life, I was just like, she's got all this money, she's able to travel, she's got, you know, this amazing life, and my life sucks. (laughs) And so I talked to her about it. I was, I was, I mean, we're, we were obviously different ages and, um, she told me, she said, do you honestly think that on social media that I'm really going to put up what's really going on? She goes, yes, I travel. She said, but if I could trade, like if I could have a child, if I could have a long-term relationship, mm. I would trade places with you. What I'm mm. showing you what this is like for me because this is what I want it to be, but it's not really reality. And we also see what we want because right. I try to be really honest when people are like, oh, your cards are in Target. I'm like, but let me tell you the investment. <laughs> It took. Let me tell you all this stress and the anxiety and the frustration. But people and don't. the road. It yeah, took the, the it was time. a lot. It's been two years. Y'all know I used to come in every single day. Like oh, the cost of shipping. Right. Oh, this is going wrong. Oh, this is a delay. Like so many nights where I didn't sleep. But nobody like you say it, but people don't believe you. They're no. like, ah, uh, you're just being humble, and they just see the shiny accomplishment. And I'm like, no, no, no. I'm not being humble. Well, that's why when I go on social media, I don't post a lot because I only post the good moments that really are real good moments. I'm not a fake and a fraud. You're going to see the good stuff. You're not going to see the bad stuff. But the good stuff, it is truly good. You yeah. understand what I mean? I'm not going to fake it. Yeah. yeah it's just, I, 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 listen, I, I've learned to stay off social media um, because it will invoke feelings of envy or jealous or like or, or just just like comparison of like your life to the to what you're seeing in photos and this is like not real it's it's kind of like fake it's 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 people putting together a um um their highlight reel their highlight reel yeah. well i also want to say i unfollowed her pre therapy so ah. once i kind of had better tools to and a lot of the envy comes from when there's a lack in your life from what I found. Mm-hmm. Like it actually has nothing to do with the other person. I'm mm-hmm. not saying why you, why you? It's more like, God, why not me? Right. Like there's a hole in my life and I want something and I don't have it. And these people are just reminding me of that. But once you have tools to kind of deal with that inside you, it becomes so much easier to be happy for people and celebrate people and not want what they want I rem- or have. I try to remind myself now all the time. If I got to deal with like the product, I got to deal with their process. And I might not even be equipped to deal with their process. Mm-hmm. I have friends in relationships and I'm like, look, y'all have a beautiful house. and But I couldn't, I can't deal with that. Whatever it is that you feel like you're equipped to deal with in that relationship, I can't yeah, do it. Everybody's tolerance for things are different. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. I, I learned the key to navigating life is to not have any expectations, number one. Um, to protect yourself mentally. You know, from people who will come and, and use you and make you feel bad. Um, and, and really the hardest part is to really try to find out who you are as a person and what really makes you feel good. I think if you can, you know, do those three things with your life, um, you'll start to live a meaningful life. But the last part is very hard. Mm-hmm. What? Who am I? And what does it, What what really excites me? 
that I would do for free. And what is the long-term goal? Because I do believe that, I don't know, I love sci-fi, so I can use magic as an example. If you watch any movie where there's magic, one of the primary first rules of magic is that it comes with a price. It costs you something, whether it's exhaustion or you're losing something in your life. Like it comes with the price. We could talk about religion. Jesus died for our sins, but like he had to die on a cross. There was blood spilled. Like in order to get something great, you got to give up something. So I think there's a very real conversation you have with yourself. Like, okay, what am I like? What am I willing to pay? What price am I willing to pay? And get really good at cutting yourself off when the price becomes too steep. Because yeah. sometimes it's like, I'm willing to suffer in this way because I love it and I want this thing. And maybe you can do it for a year or two years. But you got to listen to your body. When your body is like, we're done, you got to be done. Yeah, oh, a, lot of, a lot of times we stay in things longer than we should, either because it's comfortable or we want, we hoping for change. And you really got to like, you got to protect yourself at the end of the day because no one is going to look out for you but you. You know, we, we would want other people to show up, and sometimes they might, you know. But for the most part, you got to protect yourself from the world out there because it's a very hard world. And then also protect yourself from you, too, sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's another, that's another big thing where it's just like, ooh, what am I doing with my life right now? Or what, what, what harm am I doing to myself and why? Well, do you guys ever think about, like I always hear, like when it comes to it, like in biblical terms or, you know, what the pastors say, well, God has a plan for your life. That's the one thing that incenses me because I still don't know what was my plan. I, do, do you, they, you understand yeah, what I'm talking about? All of about? those sayings, God has a plan. You're too blessed to, blessed to be stressed. Just lay it at the altar. I think <laughs> sometimes people mean well, but it feels really dismissive. It is. Because it's like, okay, that's nice and could be true. But I'm a real life human in this situation and I need tools to deal with what I'm dealing Like, I don't know what to do next or I don't know what's going to happen or I'm feeling sad or I don't believe in myself or I have imposter syndrome. Throwing a pretty saying on that is not just going to magically make those emotions and feelings go away. I know. Well, that, And I think you're, you know, when you say, well, what, what does God have a plan? for myself i think that you're having some expectation of you being mother Teresa and and showing some uh some some impact in front of you by you know maybe well i think that's the problem sometimes with the church because when they they talk about well god has a plan for your life and you're going to mean something to some people in this capacity and you're like i really don't and i don't understand why that's being said that's how I feel a lot of times for the longest time. Well, what's the plan? What am I here for? I mean, I think a lot of us struggle with wondering, why are we here? What mm-hmm. purpose do we serve being here? Kiara's a lawyer. So she has a purpose. She can help people. But do you understand what but I mean? So but so you, though. But like, hold on. But there's some people like, oh, for instance, people that work at Target. Mm-hmm. And maybe people that are stalkers. Yeah. Like that stalk <laughs> the shelves. Yeah, you know what I mean? Stalking the shelves. What is their purpose to stock the shelves? Do you understand what I mean? I mean, for everybody, it's different. I have thoughts on that. Make sure I get the uh, my air fryer when I go in there. No, (laughs) I think that I think God does have a plan for you. I just don't think that it's what you expect, and I think that you are through your daily life impacting people in a way that you may not even recognize. All right, uh, the creepiest TikTok video I have ever had. I'm going to play for you next. Be sure to follow and subscribe to all our socials at KBLA Talk 1580 on Facebook, Twitter, and IG. Stay in touch with us by downloading the all-new KBLA Talk 1580 app on your smartphone. Carry the combo wherever you go. And keep it locked to the only talk station that gives you a voice. voice. KBLA Talk 1580. We've got a lot to talk about.